back. Hey, we're going to continue on uh, this series on, on John, or in John, through John. Um, and so I just want to, I want to invite you, though, if you have the ability to stand up uh, and pray this prayer with me out of Philippians, and it's actually scripture, and so Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse 10 and 11, it says, it says this, let's pray this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Amen. Amen. So I want to start off today by telling you a couple stories about a couple people from uh, different people that I know. There's a lot of people in there, a lot of, a lot of people in words in there. Um, but it starts like this. I had, I had somebody share with me the other day um, about a person in their life who uh, was, not, was not comfortable telling the entire uh, truth to them uh, about something that they had been going through uh, and something that they did. And so what happens is this person uh, kind of just doesn't tell the truth, all right? And so I'm talking to this other person. I'm like, well, what is, how did that make you feel? Well, part A, is this person a believer? Like, do they believe in Jesus? No, they're, they're, they're not, actually. I said, okay. Um, and so when you confronted this person, what was their response? Well, their response was to, to lie again. Uh, but when you said, no, actually, I know that you did this. Right? This is like a known, like, I know that you did this. And I want to walk through you. Or want to walk through you. I want to walk through you. I want to be a linebacker and take you out right now. No, I want to walk with you through this. What was their response when you said that? Their response was, I've never had friends like this. I've never had friends like this that'll walk with me through the stuff. And, and so I encouraged the person with this. I said, hey, I just, I just want you to know this, um, that you are being Jesus to that person. That's what, that's what Jesus would do. And there's, if you guys, I just encourage you, I'm getting paid zero dollars, um, but if you have the chance, or if you have not yet, had the chance to uh, view, uh, and the name has escaped me, the Jesus thing, show. The Chosen, thank you. <laughs> I literally just blanked. Okay, so The Chosen. There's this part, I'm gonna ruin it for you, but it's okay because you can just read it in the Bible and, you know, they took a little allowance on this, but here's what it is. Uh, Mary who is messed up, and Jesus delivers her. She starts following Jesus. She's going along, and she has a relapse. She ends up back at the bar where all of this stuff started. Um, she's drinking, but in the middle of that, the Holy Spirit uh, is dealing with her, all right? And she and, and all the other disciples... Mary, the mother of Jesus, is looking for. They're worried about her. And Jesus is at camp where they were set up. 
And Mary comes back, and she comes back begrudgingly because she is ashamed of what she has done. And so Mary, the mother of Christ, brings Mary Magdalene to Jesus' shelter. And Jesus, and I'm going to paraphrase, looks at her and says, did you expect for me for you to be, did you expect me for you to be perfect? And embraces her. In this moment where, wow, like Jesus sees us, he knows us, and he understands our faults, our many faults, and he sees us, and he knows us, and he loves us. Very powerful part, and I told this person, I said, that is what you are being to this person. You could have let them go. You could have judged them. You instead decided to embrace them. There's another story of another lady who is an extremely difficult lady. Um, you, ever had, you ever had a person stand in front of you that was a human puzzle and you were like, I'm having a hard time putting this one together. This one's, re- this one's really tough here. There's some brokenness here. There's some, I don't know what it is, but there's these uprisings of, of anger. And, uh, and so the deal was this. You made up your mind that, hey, you know what, but at all cost, at all cost to me, I am going to be Jesus to this person. At all cost. And so the other day, this person was out, and, and they, they were at a park, and, and they were sitting next to this lady that's difficult, and she says to them, she says, I just want you to know something, that no matter how I act, you always treat me like a woman. You always do that. No matter what I do, you always treat me well. And the point was this, that we can be Jesus to the people around us, and they don't even really begin to grasp what is happening. So this same person who is difficult writes a whole group of people a message that says, I want you guys to know that I am so thankful for you including me because a lot of places I go, they shun me. But you guys love me. And so we get to see that happen over and over again. And the kingdom of God is among us. And so pray with me. Spirit, we thank you for your graciousness in this place this morning. that you would show up and move among us, that we could be more like you. Come and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you were here last week or if you weren't, I'm just gonna give you a little synopsis. Let's start with these words. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. That was the teaching from last week. 
All right, have a blessed week. All right, uh, <laughs> that's a tough teaching that Jesus, that's Jesus saying that. Uh, my dad didn't say that. I didn't say that. All right, Jesus is saying this. And here's what I love about Jesus is, again, he's so, we're gonna use this word because I want you to get to know it, is he's so differentiated that he, he knows his mission. He knows what he's called to, that he's not, gonna, he's not gonna lighten up the message to make it fit to the culture around him. He's coming with a message and a mission that is from above. And so knowing that people would leave and reject him in that moment, he still says what he has to say. And, and so I took away from that is this, that we have a mission and we have a message from Jesus that is not supposed to be taken lightly. There are going to be people who choose to follow Jesus and people who choose not to follow Jesus, which we'll, we'll cover more today, but I want us to get comfortable with that. Every conversation is not going to turn into a conversion. Now, should we live our lives as if Jesus is going to do the stuff wherever we go? Yes, 100%. All right? But here's what I know. I am not the Holy Spirit. I'm an ambassador of Christ. And only the Holy Spirit can draw people to himself. And so last week's message was tough. I can only imagine being there. I, wanna, I want us to do it like this, and I think my dad even said this. It's easy for us to translate because we see the rest of the message, right? But what Jesus says there is something that is extremely provocative and extremely highly offensive to all of our senses, all of our minds. If we were sitting right there, some of us in this room, maybe including myself, would be like, ooh, man, that was, it was good right there, and then he just, he just jumped. He kind of, he was rocking it, and then he came to a cliff, and he fell off. What did he just say? You might turn to somebody that's next to you, and in that moment, you might have said, did he just... Did he say eat my, what did he just say? And your friend explains that to you and you're like, wow. I'm, I'm, gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to take a moment in that one. All right, I'm gonna have to sit there. There were some people that were saying, all right, I'm in. I'm in. I believe that those same people probably got tested later on, right? Are you in? See, we know the rest of the story, so we're willing to hang on. We're willing to go from chapter six to chapter seven because we've seen the rest of the story. And so we'll hang on. We'll go with the progress of the story. And so we do move from chapter six to chapter seven, but here's what I wanna do before we do. Let's, before we move into that is I wanna give a bit of context, just a little bit of context to what we're moving into here. We're looking about uh, approximately six months from time passage here. Uh, we're looking at, uh, in chapter 7, we find ourselves in the middle of September, October, our months, not theirs, all right, but our months, and it's going on is what's happening is this festival of shelters, all right, and the festival of shelters is approximately six months after Passover, all right, and so right at this point right now, Jesus has approximately six months of his life left, all right? 
And so that's what we're looking at. This is the, uh, the festival of the last harvest of the trees, all right? During this time, we would be experiencing extreme arid conditions. Wells would be very low. Creeks would be running very slow. And we'd see a water level that is just decreasing and decreasing, all right? And so they're in this middle of this festival, of course, three times a year. Jewish men are, you know, required to come. And so this is one of those times. And so here's what it is, too. It is not only a time to celebrate um, the last harvest of the trees, but it also commemorates the time when they built temporary shelters as they were wandering, the Israelites were run, um, wandering through the desert, all right? Hence, festival of shelters, all right? And so here is Jesus. Uh, this is of great significance this time. I just want to get us that, 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 that wells, creeks, rivers, all down, dry, arid time, festival of shelters, wandering through the desert, building those temporary shelters, right? So I want us to get that picture. In John 7, 1 through 9, um, and we're going to zoom through these passages, so hang on, okay? It says this, um, after this, Jesus traveled uh, around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death, but soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters, and Jesus' brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't agree or didn't believe in him. And Jesus replied, now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. The world can't hate you yet, uh, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on. I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. After saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. All right? And now what I'm going to do, because we have to cover so much ground today, there's uh, 52 verses. What I'm going to do is not read all those verses to you, but I would encourage you to read them. I am going to read Jesus' words, and I'm going to give you a synopsis of what is happening in between those words. All right? And so, uh, here's what it does. It does this. Jesus ends up going to the festival, all right? What he does, he doesn't go publicly. He goes privately, and he just kind of is in the crowd. And the Jewish leaders are looking for him. They want to see him. They've been offended by him greatly, and they think that he is cuckoo or that he is anti-God, all right? He is out for himself, and so he goes, and they're looking for him. The crowds are talking about him. They're whispering things. Some share that he's a good man. Others share that he's a fraud. You know, it just reminds me of that old game, you know, where I say something to Chuck, and Chuck says it to Lee, and Lee says it to Ray, and we move on. And by the time it gets over here, okay, it started with, hey, there's a purple dinosaur in the bathroom. We need to go take care of it. And it ends up over here, and uh, I have a truck for sale. 
what the heck, where did it, what happened in that time as we passed it all around, all right? And so there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of theories that people are coming up with. He's good, he's bad, he's genuine, he's a fraud. None of them, though, would speak favorably about Jesus to the Jewish leaders because they were afraid to lose their status in the synagogue. Being no longer welcome into the synagogue, they didn't want to offend the Jewish leadership, so they kept their mouths shut as far as speaking to the Jews. This is why you hear the whispering among the crowd. And so Jesus does show up, and he shows up at the temple, and he's slaying, right? He is killing, like the teaching is going so well. They're asking questions like, where did he get trained, right? It was a big deal. If you were going to be a rabbi, you were gonna be trained other, another rabbi, you would take on their yoke, right? And you would learn what their theology was and, and then you would mimic that theology and then one day as you as you climb the ranks, then you would have other people that were followers of you, your disciples, and you would be their rabbi. And that's how things got passed on, right? And so they recognize where in the world is his rabbi? Because what he is saying is really touching the core of who I am. There's something that's different about what he's saying. And Jesus replies this in John uh, 7, 16 through 24, he says this, Jesus told them, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. He said, I went to the university of God. U-G. I went there, and my message is not my own. It comes from uh, God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or merely is, or is merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves, but a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Moses gave you the law, but none of you obey it. Take that in for a second. Cultural context. People won't show favor towards Jesus to lose status within the synagogue my man, Jesus, says, Moses gave you the law, but none of you obey it. In fact, you are trying to kill me. The crowd replies this, you're demon-possessed. Who's trying to kill you? I want us to get a picture here. The crowd is saying, you're crazy. Who in the world here is trying to kill you? All right? And so Jesus replied, I did one miracle on the Sabbath, and you were amazed, but you work on the Sabbath too. Would you obey Moses' law of circumcision? Actually, this tradition of circumcision began with the patriarchs long before the law of Moses. For if the correct time for circumcising your son falls on the Sabbath, you go ahead and do it, as not to break the law of Moses. So why should you be angry for me healing a man on the Sabbath. Look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Why are you willing to make a part of a person whole as you see it to your law, but you can't allow the whole man to be made whole? Is what he's asking. 
And so many were challenged by Jesus' words. Some of them even recognized Jesus as the man. Now they recognize, oh, this is the guy who the Jewish leadership wants to kill. It has to be. Listen to those words. This is the guy. And then the people have a discussion about the Messiah. You gotta love this discussion, right? Again, it's theory, it's theology, maybe some conspiracy in there. I don't know. They're talking and they're whispering and they're saying, man, you know, well, here's how he's gonna appear. It's gonna be like this. No, I heard it's gonna be like this. Oh, he's gonna come from here. No, I don't think, I think he's just gonna appear from nowhere. And he certainly couldn't come from over here. That's ridiculous because that, that just doesn't, ugh. Why would he come from there? And so on and so forth, the discussion went. And, and, and then in John 7, 28, uh, 29, this is while Jesus is teaching at the temple. He said, Jesus says this, yes, you know me and you know where I come from, but I'm not here on my own. The one who sent me is true and you don't know him. But I know him because I am from him, and he sent me to you. I just, I just categorized this in my notes, boiling point. Boiling point. Okay, you, you were starting to be offensive, but now, okay, you have gone too far. Strike one, you said you had divine teaching from above. Okay, my rabbi is God. All right? Now you've said uh, you don't know the person who sent me who is referring, they're referring to God, and uh, you don't believe that either. The Jewish leadership had had enough at that point. They try to arrest him, here's what I love, but no one lays a hand on him because it was not yet his time. In John 7, 33 through 34, Jesus says this, I will be with you only a little longer, and then I will return to the one who sent me. You will search for me, but not find me, and you cannot go where I am going. And here, here's a, what? Okay? In my notes, you might have a question mark. Okay? What is he talking about? What, where is he going to hide? Is he going to, where is he, where is he going to be? I'm confused. Okay? We want to arrest him now. We feel like we can't do that. And, and then he's saying now he's only going to be here for a little bit longer. So maybe some of them are thinking, oh, good, well, maybe the problem will take care of itself. So they didn't know what he meant. So the last day of the festival, which is the climax of the festival, Jesus says this in John 7, 37 and 38. Anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Anyone who believes in me, come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Okay, here's what I want us to understand, AKA, also known as the Spirit of God that has yet to been poured out will flow from his heart. And chapter seven ends a lot like chapter six. Belief, division, and unbelief. And probably, I would imagine, you can take from that passage that there were some people who walked away. They couldn't take the teaching. Intriguing, but highly offensive to the mind. Intriguing, I wanna follow, but I wanna keep my status within the synagogue. Intriguing sounds life-changing, but a little risky. What's the return on investment here? 
Last time he told me I had to drink his blood and eat his flesh. This time he tells me that his rabbi's God. Okay? You have to give credit to the guy. I mean, from that context, you feel like maybe he's, like, the message is so crazy that it's like, this has got to be real. This has got to be real or this guy has got to be insane. Right? You're demon-possessed. Who's trying to kill you? You're crazy. Some of the crowd is chanting that. Now, I want us to understand this. When, when they say that, you know, hey, this might be the prophet, right? This might be the one. Is this, and I, I in, uh, well, yeah. He might be the one. I love this in the last part there. Nicodemus. Nicodemus is like, um, you know, uh, is it legal to convict a man before he's given a hearing? <laughs> Nicodemus came and visited Jesus. And then to be so bold as to stand up and say this, something was happening in Nicodemus's heart. And I hope, I really like, my, my really big desire is like, I get to meet old Nick one day, all right? Dude, what was it like, man? I really do. I want to meet this guy, all right? And because it was bold. Though, though the question is not that bold, is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing? I want us to understand the context, though, of that things were superheated there. And he just presents this question, and they replied to him, are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet ever comes from Galilee. It says this in Deuteronomy 18, uh, 15 through 20. It says, Moses continued, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, don't let us hear the voice of the Lord or any or the voice of the Lord our God anymore, or see the blazing fire, for we will die. Then the Lord said to me, what they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like the one from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth, and I will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally deal with anyone who does not listen to the message the prophet proclaims on my behalf. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or who speaks in the name of another God must die. This is the prophet that they're talking about. Deuteronomy. Guys, that's towards the beginning of the Bible. In the Christian Bible, that's like, it's right up front there. And Jesus is being pointed to right up front. Remember, in all creation, the Spirit of God hovers over the blankness of the earth, the chaos of the sea, and then the Spirit of God begins to speak. Remember John 1. He was there, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Nothing was created but through Him. Everything points to Jesus. And it boggles the mind of the people in this passage because they're not seeing the macro picture. They're seeing only the micro moment. And so I want us to leave here with three takeaways today that I think will be useful to us as we proceed from this place. Number one, 
I wanna propose to you today that we still stand on the side of being questioned every time the gospel of Jesus Christ is mentioned. You ever seen this before? What does Jesus concern me any? How does that concern me? You actually believe this stuff? Maybe you haven't been, maybe you haven't been asked that directly. Maybe you've seen other people ask that. Maybe you've seen it in a mood, in a, in a conversation or an interview with someone. You actually believe this? Or how about this, the blank stare? Like, what in the world are you talking about? You know, you're walking through a really rough time. You're like, yeah, but I know this. I know, I know that God is in control. And I know that, that Jesus' death wasn't for anything. And you're not just, you're not just expressing platitudes you're actually expressing the deepest parts of your heart. And people might look at you like, are you serious? Like your hope is in Jesus? Yeah, yeah, that's where my hope is. And so when people, like the stories that I told earlier, when people are met with the reality of Jesus, they sometimes do not know how to react. They sometimes do not know how to respond. Maybe you have, maybe you have been a vessel of Jesus Christ to people around you, and they didn't know how to act, they didn't know how to respond. And that doesn't mean that it was negative, it was just kind of like in shock, maybe. And after all, why, why would they act this way? Well, it brings, uh, it's one thing, right, to, to, be, to be treated with grace and love once. It's another thing to be treated with grace and love over and over again, not deserving it at all. How do we know how to do that? How do we know how to treat other people like that? Because we know this, we've been treated like that. Do we always nail it on the head? No. But here's what it does. This is why it's uncomfortable because the reality of God and the love of God after experiencing the love of Christ is this. People are confronted with a decision just like you and I were, even if you're not a follower of Christ in this room, just like you will be. You'll be, de- you'll be confronted with a decision. Here's what the decision is, like the whispers of the crowd, do I receive Jesus or do I reject him? Now, as followers of Christ, we might say it like this, do I pick up my cross daily or do I put it to the side today? Do I follow Jesus or do I follow my feelings? And... I want to relieve you guys. Their decision is not your responsibility. Their decision is not your responsibility. Now, that does not mean forget them. We're going to continue to pray for them. We're going to continue to be Jesus to them. But their decision is not your responsibility. We cannot, as much as we want to, make the decision for them. And if you've had kids, you know exactly how that feels. Boy, I I would have chose something else. (laughs) Like, why did you choose that? All right? Right? And so, or if you've ever been in any relationship with another human being. All right? It's like fun to control. But then you realize this is not good. They've got to make their own decision. All right? All right, so... Takeaway number two, all right? Takeaway number one, all right? 
that people are going to question the gospel even today. We're going to present the gospel through our lives, and we're going to present it through words and deeds, right? That's how we're going to do it. And you know what? Someone might say, well, how do you do that? Uh, How is Jesus impacting your life? Just tell that story. You don't need, if you want to, great. If you want to walk down the Romans road with people, many of you might know what that means. Okay, great. If that's what God is leading you to do, great. How about if someone's just like, is in desperate need of seeing uh, or being like talked to, not talked to, or maybe being listened to, and you sit with that person? Well, yeah, but when is the gospel presentation? Like, when's the proper gospel presentation? And what if they call you again and ask to sit with you? Yeah, but when do I like, when do we strike it? You know, when, when is like that, that, that PowerPoint? Well, what if they called and listened to you and said, hey, will you listen to me? I just, I, I'm going through this. Will you listen to me? And in that listening, that you're listening and then you're, you're processing, you're praying, and you might have a little input. You might not have any input. Okay, but like, okay, number, the, the seventh time we meet, because that's a good number, right? So the seventh time we meet, that's going to be the, that's going to be the, what if you just met with them and you, and you listened to them? and you walk with them, and you journeyed with them. And, and what if it was a year? What if it was two years? What if it was three years of your kindness and your overwhelming love that only Jesus could provide? And this whole time, they, you, you've not seen a, de- a decision made, but what if we could look at it and we, we see the closeness of God and them drawing nearer and nearer to God? And my question to you is, can we have faith in the room that people because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, that people are being drawn to him as they see Jesus in us. And so I just encourage you to continue that. There might be a time when you say, hey, I just want you to know, they might ask you after a year of listening, they might say to you, tell me about your life. Well, I tell you, my life wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for this relationship that I have with Jesus. That might be the open door. What do you mean by that? I just mean this. I would not be the same person I am right now if I would not lay down my life. And I'm not perfect, but because of Jesus and he's made a way for me to be in relationship with the God of the universe that I can live a life that is fulfilled and purpose-filled. Wow, okay. Now here's what it is. It's a point of decision. They might say, man, that's cool for you. Or they might say, hey, how do, can I do that? Yeah, 100%. And it might be that moment. It's natural, right? Old book, Gary Best. Naturally supernatural. Okay? I don't have to like put on a show. Hey, Chuck, I know Jesus and he's the best. You know, what the, What? <laughs> You know, you don't have to do that. Just be like Jesus. But in your, like, everyday life. And understand you're going to mess up, and Jesus loves you. All right, number two. You will never know all the answers. Thanks, Andy, for that encouragement. Okay, how in the world? Let's think about this. You will never know all the answers. Why do we think that we're going to know all the answers to every question that every person has to have? That inhibits us or prohibits us or definitely distracts us or maybe deters us from sharing our lives with people. What if they ask, like, 
I know A, B, C, D. If they ask E, though, I don't know it. Okay, who cares? Somebody in your life does. Here's my, my best answer I can give to people that when I don't know the question, the answer to the question, I don't know. That's an interesting question, though. Let's, let's explore that together. Okay? No one is. Jesus is not asking you to know everything. Here's what he's asking you. Put your faith in me. All right? Uh, just like the people question Jesus, where he was trained, they might ask you, how the heck do you know this stuff? They'll confront you with questions of, you know, are you certain about that? Are you certain about this in your life? Um, here's the thing. Uh, in this life, there's a great mystery. We live in what's called the now and not yet. We experience the tension of the kingdom that has come to earth and the fullness of the kingdom that is to come. And we live in that tension. We live in a tension where people that we pray for are sometimes healed and other people who we pray for pass away or remain injured. Well, explain that to me, Andy. Can't, besides that we live in the tension of the now and the not yet. That's my explanation. And we live in this tension where, oh, good things happen to really, quote, bad people. I can't believe in a God that would do that, and bad things happen to, quote, good people. And here's what we find. I found this. Maybe you have too. To deny this tension is to deny the reality of our lives and the people's lives around us. It's to deny that, no, I don't live in the now and not yet. That's not, that's not where I live. But here's what we do. We place all of it in God's hands. There's a book in the Bible called Job. I'm just kidding, it's called Job, all right? It's, uh, I forget if it's before or after Palms, but here's the deal. Um, so my kids, <laughs> they're like, hey, what's, what's Palms all about? I'm like, Paul, what? Oh, okay. yeah, it does throw me off. Okay, so in Job, in Job, it says this. Uh, it begins in chapter 38, man. Job goes through the ringer. I mean, loses everything except for his wife, who's like encouraging, like, hey, just curse God and call it a day, all right? And uh, thanks for being strong. There we go. Okay, so in Job 38, you don't even have to put it up, but um, God allows and is patient. Job has these three or four friends that come and they tell him, like, dude, you're, like, you're messed up. You must have done something wrong, you know, and really, really encouraging. They're very, very encouraging. The kind of people you'd never want in your life. And, um, and so finally, Job, Job is kind of, I mean, he hasn't cursed God. He's just like, why? You guys ever raised your hands to God and said, why? What are you doing? I know I have. And so uh, God says this. I'm just going to give you a sample of what he says because he goes on for about uh, two and a half chapters with things like this. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid the cornerstone? 
who laid its cornerstone, as the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy? Who kept the sea inside of its boundaries as it burst from the womb? And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no further will you come. Here, your proud waves must stop. Just a subtle reminder. You know, I wonder if, in, you know, do you guys read that? Like, do you, do you, have you ever read Job 38, like, mad? Like, I just started it, and like, midway through, I'm like, I wonder if God was more like, hey, Job, um, I'm just asking, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And tell me if, if you know so much. And maybe God put even space in there for Job to answer. But Job didn't answer. Who, as a reminder, who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? But sometimes I think, like I have in the past, we read it like Thor God, right? Where were you when I laid the foundation? You know, like he's ready, he's willing, he's going to restrain himself. But he's asking these questions. They're beautiful questions. So I encourage you with this. You don't have to know all the answers. Just know that God is in control. Number three, and then we're going to skeet daddle out of here, is Jesus is the source of living water. Now, why did I, in the beginning, why did I put the context that is so important that we must remember the festival of shelters, we must remember the dry time, we have to remember the low wells, low rivers. Jesus is going to do something here. That's important. He is the deepest well that will never run dry. The significance of Jesus being the source of living water cannot be lost on us. In Exodus 17, Moses is confronted by people that are wandering through the desert and are complaining about being thirsty and on the verge of death, and it's dry and arid because they have no water. And God instructs Moses to strike a rock from which water will flow and provide water to the Israelites. Capture the picture with me as Jesus proclaims that he is the source of living water during the, fest, the um, festival of shelters. During the festival. I want us to go, and I don't think I'm going too far here. When Jesus is struck, he then provides the source of living water. Because Jesus is struck and struck down, he provides the source of living water to us. This is amazing stuff. We live in saturated times now. Here's what I wanna say. What do you mean by saturated times? There's a lot going on. The only problem is that we find out this saturation isn't really a saturation. It's about an inch deep. Every puddle that we go to is an inch deep. Fleeting pleasure, an inch deep. An inch deep. Things that don't last, an inch deep. Things that have no eternal impact, an inch deep. And we search so many times we even go from puddle to puddle and find ourselves empty and dry because they can never provide what Jesus can provide. Alternatively, we could come to the rock, the fountain of living water, which is Jesus. It was asked of me recently uh, about people who seem to be doing fine without Jesus, and I love this question because I think it's a fair one. What about people who seem to be doing fine and they don't have Jesus in their life? And the truth of the matter is that they might be doing, quote, fine without Jesus, you may have friendships that are steady, a bank account that is full, a marriage that is, quote, great, but my question is this, what do you have that has eternal value? My friends will pass away, my stuff will go, 
My marriage will end when I die. Jesus is the only thing that I will bring with me into eternal life. And I'm not talking about a cute heaven scene. I'm talking about the eternal change that can happen in me right now. Jesus is not a crutch in my life. He is the reality of my life. He has to be not a crutch in our life, but he has to be the reality of our life. Eternal life flows from him, and in him I find life. When my bank account is drained and there's nothing there, I know the creator of all things. When my kids are off the chain, I know the chain breaker. When I have relationships that are being ripped apart, I know the restorer of all things. When I am hungry, I know the giver of the bread of life. When I am dry and thirsty, I know, I know the rock from which my life flows. No thing, nothing will ever take place of Jesus. It is not a competition because nowhere in the world or in the universe is there a competitor that can step anywhere close to Jesus Christ, the living Savior of the world. He is a servant king who dwells within us. He chooses you and I to be his dwelling place. Stand with me. Holy Spirit of God, we invite you to come and do the things in our lives that only you can do. So we just pause and say, come healer and heal. Come provider and provide. As we leave this place today, Father, I pray that we would go empowered by the Spirit of the living God. Same Spirit that speaks to dry bones and they begin to shake. And they're formed into an army. Not an army of aggressors. Not an army of, we have to defend the faith, but an army that is on a mission of mercy, grace, love, and truth. And that's what I wanna pray over us today. As we leave this place, we would leave on mission and with a message that will revolutionize the world around us. So we pray 
Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And may we walk with you all the days of our lives. May we know you and be known by you. May you go before us as we exit this building on mission. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would...